0: Welcome to a special edition of the Fraudian Slip, the Identity Theft Resource Center's podcast where we talk about all things identity compromise, crime, and fraud that impact people and businesses. I'm Eva Velasquez, the CEO of the ITRC, and this week we're collaborating with the Federal Trade Commission in honor of Identity Theft Awareness Week. During this week, the FTC and its partners will host free informational events focused on avoiding and recovering from identity theft, fraud, and scams. There are many misconceptions about identity crimes, including the notion that only certain folks are at risk. While it's true that identity crimes affect generations differently, no one is immune. For those that believe our younger generation isn't at risk because they haven't built up wealth or not yet high wage earners and have not built robust credit profiles, let this conversation be a reminder that it's not about any of the things I just mentioned. The bad actors are seeking our identity credentials and our PII as that is what they need to commit identity crimes. Here to help us build our foundational knowledge and to get to the bottom of what risks college students are facing is Terry Miller, Consumer Education Specialist with the Federal Trade Commission, and students from around the country who will ask us their most pressing questions about identity theft and fraud. Welcome, everyone. Here to chat with us about impersonator scams is Marissa from Rowan College at Burlington County. Welcome, Marissa.
1: Hi, yes. Thank you for having me. Uh, One of my first questions is, what is an impersonator?
0: Well, I'll let uh, Terry jump in on this one. An impersonator is a scammer who's pretending to be someone else. Their goal
1: really is to separate you from your personal information or your money or both. And they really do this by being believable and building trust with you or... And I've seen this one happen to myself. Um, They try to scare you into doing what they say. Typically an impersonator is gonna be someone who um, is pretending to be from a company that you recognize or even a government agency. And sometimes, again, this one's happened to me on social media. It might be um, someone, they're pretending to be someone that you know, like a friend or a family member. Um, or even like an online romantic interest or something. And what happens with the impersonator is they contact you. They email you, call you, text you something uh, with a problem. There's always a problem or a prize, something that they want you to solve. And that resolution has something to do with your personal information or you sending money. And there's usually pressure. So they're pressuring you to act fast. They don't want you to have time to think about what they're saying or what they're asking you to do. And they definitely don't want you to have time to talk to someone you trust.
0: Well, you really hit the nail on the head there, Terry. Um, it, yeah, it's about uh, leveraging trust, whether that's through uh, you know a friendship or a trusted brand or a government agency and and creating a sense of urgency. And the only thing I would add to that is that it it doesn't have to be you know an individual. Cyber squatting is real. Um, they can impersonate a website by having a, a URL that's only one letter off or one number off from the legitimate one. It's just, it's really pervasive. That was a great question, Marissa. I think you have a couple more for us.
1: Yes, thank you so much. So uh, my second question is, what are some real life examples of an impersonator
0: looking to steal information or money? Carrie, you want to take that one? Yeah, these are always really interesting to talk about, right? Because
1: this this is how it happens. Um, So I want to talk about a government impersonator. So, for example, let's say someone reaches out to you and says, we need to verify your social security number. Or they say that your social security number has been suspended because you owe the government money. And they demand that you pay that money right away. Well, here's the, here's the news. The government is not going to do that. Government agencies don't operate that way. They're not going to call you and ask for your social security number. They're not going to demand that you pay them immediately. Those are scams. Um, and to be specific, they're phishing scams. They're looking for personal information. They want you to, like I said, verify your social security number so they can steal your identity. And if they're asking you to pay for payment, they're just trying to get your money. Um, Another one I would say is business impersonators. So, you know, in one scam, we have seen where they pretend to be Amazon, a company like Amazon, and they send you a text message and they say, you won a raffle for a free product or a free prize, click this link to claim your prize. And then once you click that link, then they're asking you, oh, you just need to pay this small shipping fee, enter your credit card information here, And before long, you realize, A, maybe you don't get that price. And two, you start seeing charges on your credit card that you didn't agree to. So those are just a couple of examples of um, an impersonator scam. Eva, would you add a few?
0: Yeah, I'll do two really quickly. The first one just came through the call center this morning. Now it's another government agency one, but this was a recent um, immigrant with limited English proficiency who did not understand how uh, the federal government in this country works. And unfortunately she got a call from what she thought was Homeland Security and they were demanding that she transfer money to a foreign bank in Taiwan. And she thought that this was her new government telling her that she needed to do this. And because she she didn't understand uh, that the federal government will never ask you to transfer money to a foreign bank, uh, she went ahead and did it and she lost one hundred and twelve thousand dollars. And that's one that just came into our call center today. Uh, The other one that I would mention, because we talk a lot about romance scams being impersonator scams, and, and of course, they're they're very prevalent. But so are relationship scams. They're, they're taking this little twist. And that's because um, not everybody's looking for romance. Some people are just looking for connection. They just want to make friends. Maybe you have shared interests, shared um, um, heritage or lived experiences. And the scammers are using that to get you to engage with them. And then as they build that relationship with you, they see what's going to resonate. Um, the one that um, I, I was, it got a lot of um, attention because I was on um, a, a talk show uh, where this this victim came in and told her story. But essentially she had come into an inheritance when her mother had died and she befriended someone that was uh, from her same ethnic background who said, hey, I, we're friends. I want to teach you how to invest in crypto because I've made so much money. And And long story short, He was not who he said he was. The wallet that she, crypto wallet she was investing in was an absolute fake. It was something that he had set up. She lost all of that inheritance, well over $300,000, and the scammer took off with it. So there can be some real, real consequences um, and significant losses with these impersonator scams. Uh, I think we've beaten a dead horse there. Marissa, we'll let you get to your last question.
1: Thank you. Yeah. My last question is what if I think I've given my information to an identity theft?
0: Well, you know, the the important thing to realize whenever you feel like you've self-compromised your own information and it's in the hands of a thief is that you really need to make a list of what that information was. Now, whether your data was compromised maybe through a data breach or again, an accidental self-compromise the steps to remediating, remediating that are um, directly tied to what that data was. So the first step is knowing specifically, was it my social security number? Was it my username and password, my date of birth, my driver's license number, my passport number? What data was compromised? Then you need to go down that list and you will need to handle each of those things separately. Now, we always tell folks uh, when they're in that uh, situation to contact the Identity Theft Resource Center and tell us what type of data was compromised, not what data, we don't want your, your PII, or your identity credentials, but what type of data was compromised. And then we will give you a plan, a step-by-step plan. And I suspect you're gonna say something similar, Terry, about um, FTC.
1: I would also, I would add to that, going to identitytheft.gov. Because like you said, the steps really differ based on what information you think was exposed. Um, and the neat thing about identity theft.gov is that once you put in you know, the type of information, like you said, not the specific information, but the type of information that you suspect was compromised, um, we can also give you a personalized step-by-step checklist on how to take steps to minimize the um, damage that the identity thief does. Um, one, I did so, Eva, you mentioned a little earlier about freezing your credit. Um, and I think one thing that might be really helpful for students is knowing that they don't necessarily have to wait until there's an identity theft scare before they take action to protect themselves from identity theft. Um, and so I wanted to maybe we can kind of tag team and talk just for a couple minutes about what a credit freeze is versus um, a fraud alert. How's that Eva?
0: Well, I think the best way to do this in this format is just, I couldn't agree with you more students, please actively look at how you can reduce your risk without, um, waiting until something scary happens. Credit freezes, they are really easy now. You can do them online. Both the FTC and the ITRC have information on our websites, which I'll be listing at the end of the podcast, so that you can walk through the process. It is really simple. It'll take about 10 minutes as long as you have all of your information handy and all of your identity credential documents handy so that you can reference those and it is one of the most robust proactive consumer protection steps that anyone could take now as terry mentioned there are different there's fraud alerts there's a credit freeze there's um you there's a credit lock which is a paid service there are a number of different things that you can do we tend to tell people just go ahead and freeze your credit but there are some other options. You want to talk about those, Terry?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, I was prepared to cover the credit freeze for sure. That's one that we really em- emphasized as well. Um, and the reason is because it stops most access to your credit report until you lift it or you remove it. Um, it's free. And because most creditors won't extend new credit until they can check your credit report, identity thieves can't get credit in your name because no one can run your credit without your without lifting that credit freeze. Um, yep. and and then the other I would really push is again, the fraud alert. and that one really ties into businesses. So let's say maybe that an identity thief does have a piece of information. If they go to a business and try to open new credit accounts in your name, that business is going to get that fraud alert that says that they have to contact you, typically with a call, um, to verify that you are actually applying for that credit. Again, a fraud alert is free as well. um, And those are the two that we really encourage at um, at the Federal Trade
0: Commission. This has been a great conversation. Thank you both for being here. You can learn more about identity theft awareness week's other free events by visiting ftc.gov/idtheftweek. If you think you've been a victim of an identity crime or want to minimize your risk of becoming a victim, you can find FTC resources at identitytheft.gov, and you can reach the ITRC by calling 888-400-5530 or visiting us at idtheftcenter.org to get started. Be sure to join us next week on our sister podcast, The Weekly Breach Breakdown. Until then, thanks for listening.